Well, greetings, friends, and we welcome you back to another episode of Churches Changing, um, a podcast that is a ministry of the United Methodist Church. And I'm here today with the Reverend Justin Kaysen, who is a new elder in the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church, actually a commissioned elder. Um, But Justin, congratulations on that. Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, congratulations on that milestone in your life. And yeah. you got the paper in the mail, right? Yeah. Awesome. And you are appointed at Monticello United Methodist Church, which is near um, Lafayette, not too far from Purdue University. Yeah, about 30 minutes northeast of Lafayette, Indiana, on the wall in the office. We're official. So You're the associate pastor there, and you have a very special ministry because you are also the pastor of a digital community connected to the church. Tell us about that. All right. So with Mumsy Online, you know, we're this online campus, and the idea is we want to replicate that DNA. So for us, um, this community online is just another aspect of our, our community as a whole, as a community of faith that we're living into at Monticelli United Methodist Church. Okay. So you are a millennial. Yeah. Those, those categories are kind of wonky because, you know, what is a millennial? But Because they're about as, as diverse as any other group in the world. But um, you're in your early 30s. And so how would you say that people in your generation are connecting with organized religion as a group in Indiana? Yeah. Um, so our church actually has a a growing population of young adults and young adults who are now entering into families, right? So um, we have a lot of young families and families who are, the adults have been in church before. They might not have um, maintained through their high school or their college years or their young, young adult years. But when they have children, they're like, oh, I should probably get right with God. Or um, I need God to help me with these kids. And that group kind of is beginning to shift back into church or into the other things that they consider church. Really, though, the way we traditionally do church, which we call an offline campus, sometimes that's not built really for that demographic. You know, we have people who want their kids to do great in sports, and they're on 10U Baseball. And 10U Baseball is always, consistently, Sunday morning to 10 a.m. That is always when their tournament is, right? And they can't be there for the offline ministry for our normal Sunday morning services. So, that's one of the reasons why we made online our online campus. So families with children in Sunday morning sports are a are a significant segment of the church that you're growing? Yes. So we have I mean we have a lot of young families in our offline campus, but we often and especially during the summer months see them shift to more of our online aspects of ministry, our online groups, our online classes and our online services that we live stream. And we have our traditional um, services that we live stream. So we have like a traditional service, a contemporary service that are on Sunday mornings. And we also have a fully online, um, no one in the room service that's on Wednesday nights. So we kind of do both of those in order to reach that group. A lot of churches got into online ministry, digital ministry during the pandemic. It sort of forced us there. Uh, it was like that or nothing for a little while there. Yeah. How did you get in the, how did you get the idea of doing this? Was it then or was it earlier? Yeah. Um, so our church was one of the late adopters. We were, we had been streaming online for about three weeks before the pandemic. Okay. So that's not a thing that we were doing. However, we do record our services already. They get put on our local Comcast channels. So we were already recording. We were already streaming out our audio to a local t- um, radio station. So that way that can be projected over the radio. So we, we already kind of had the capability. We were just, we were dipping our toes in what Facebook or YouTube might look like. And then the pandemic happened and I'm a pretty tech person. Um, so we figured it out. We figured out how we're going to do this, best practices, 
And as everyone else was kind of throwing things against the wall to see what would stick, so would we. But we had kind of a faster processing for that. So we were able to get there quickly. And what we noticed when we went online, it wasn't just our our people, so to speak, that were there. There was a lot of people who either had been to Monticello United Methodist Church in the past and had some connection, but they had moved out of Monticello, moved out of the area, or they were friends. And people found it easier to share a live stream than it was be to invite somebody to the church. You know, so it became this this way in which our church could continue to be the church, and we found people that were not already there, and we've realized we should probably look into this more. So, if I'm a participant and that is experiencing the ministry of Monticello online, how would I invite a friend? It's it's different than than saying I'll meet you at the lo- in the lobby and we'll save a seat for you. Yeah. So, um, most of our ministry is housed in a in a Facebook. A, private closed Facebook group that's called Mumsy Online. So that's where we have a lot of our posting, our prayer concerns. It's private because we want people to have this space to where they can share some deep, vulnerable things with their community, because that's what actually builds community, is that sharing. So for you, if you want to invite a friend, you would say, hey, this is a community where I'm finding hope, where I'm finding peace, where I'm finding connection with other people and with God. Would you be willing to join with me? And the most direct way that happens is often they'll invite someone to join one of our live stream services with them. So they'll share the live stream and say, hey, why don't you worship with me today? Why don't you worship with me in this online um, service? And the couch, which is the service that I, I run on Wednesday nights, is engagement-based based upon live streams. So you come in and we say, hey, let us know you're here. And you say hi. And I say, oh, hey, Paul, how you doing? Welcome. We're so excited you're here. If you have any prayer concerns or ways that I can pray for you, please put those in the chat because I'd love to be able to connect with you in that way. And also, we have moderators and hosts who will connect with you in the chat as well. And that kind of builds that community. So then the next logical step from attending that uh, service is to join the closed Facebook group. So the Wednesday evening service is the couch. The couch, yes. And that's... um. We're on a couch, so that's part of it. But our our church and part of that DNA, right, we want to keep together. We have the classic service, the current service. So we have this C that's kind of in there. And then when we had um, a small service that was very much so spaced out for COVID that we called the chapel. So we had to do another C. And I said, let's do the couch. And that was actually a joke at first um, that we would just call it the couch. And then it stuck. Um, so now that's... The couch is a place where we come together to talk about God and talk about each other and how we can best love both. So that's that. This suck and it's it's been great. That's a Wednesday evening ministry. Do you do a Sunday morning ministry as a part of Muncie Online? So we we live stream our services and we treat those the same way we do the couch. Now there is some inherent differences. So for the the offline services, the classic and the current, we have traditional contemporary service. They're all directly catered to the in-person crowd first and foremost. However, we've made intentional changes to them so that they cater to the online community as well. So one of the things we did during COVID was we took we have a 20-minute sermon slot. Uh, you wouldn't know that by how long we preach, but that's how long it's supposed to be allotted to, right? Because we're, we're long-winded pastors. And we noticed during the sermon time at about 10 minutes, the live stream numbers would start to dip because of people's attention span. So we said, okay, cool, we'll cut it, and we'll do two 10-minute sermons instead of one 20-minute sermon. Excellent. And we split who would preach those. So um, it could be to where I, I would preach both parts, or my senior pastor would preach both, or I would preach the first part, he would preach the second part. And we did one with the book of Esther. And the first part of the sermon, I kind of gave a the message, according to Justin, version of 
the book of Esther to our people, the entire book. And then in the second part, the senior pastor kind of gave more of the application of that. So we were able to do a lot of really cool things by splitting it. And that's a change that's remained. Um, and no one in our church is like, man, I really wish we went back to 20-minute service or sermons. <laughs> there hasn't been a single complaint about it. But that's the way we try to switch to be hybrid um, in our in our online ministry for our, our offline services. Um, and people still attend those. You know, when we do communion, we make sure we invite that group as, as well to, to get their bread and juice together. Um, we make sure that we let them know that their prayer concerns are important to us too. So and there's a lot of this. There's a lot of directly breaking the fourth wall, so to speak, at church. So it's not just voyeurism, but it's right. community, right? It's it's not just I'm watching a worship service happening. I'm a part of the community and, and worshiping together. One of the words that I learned during COVID years has been the word asynchronous, <laughs> which means basically I have a toothache. I'm up at two in the morning. I start channel surfing and I find Muncie online and I watch um, a, a tape. Is that possible? Do other people that are connecting with you at other times than the, the official times that you're meeting? Yeah. So we call that our on-demand ministry. On-demand. Um, actually, we track our, yeah, we track our numbers and our viewing um, on our services. We track it 24 hours after the service and then seven days after that. And consistently, there's about a 15% increase in viewership um, between the two. So we know there's a lot, and that's just at that one-week mark. We have other sermons or other um, services that happen that we go back you know, and it's, oh, wow, we've gotten 300 views on this. And that was two years ago. Um, but we intentionally try to make a lot of our a lot of our videos, a lot of our content evergreen so that if you come to that um, at a point that's later on, it's not like, oh, I'm watching something that's older. Now, there's some things that um, announcements are part of life. Right. And there's certain things that happen in the life of the church that are right then, right now. But for the most part, even we welcome, you know, it's like, hey, welcome to worship. You know, it's not always good morning because if you're watching it at night, um, it might not be that, right? So we try to make sure it's as evergreen as possible to make sure people who come to that on-demand aspect of our ministry feel like they're loved and a part of what's going on. That's neat. But I mean, this this on-demand thing, too, it really makes it possible to share with a friend. It's like, wow, that was so amazing today. I really want my, my sister to see that. To experience that, and I can I can still take her to church, so right. to speak, um, after the fact, but because you have that capacity, yeah, and especially if we do contextual type of of things in our services. So, for instance, we had this horrible thing happen in our community on a, on a, a Monday. There was a house fire, and we lost two members of our community: oh. a, a, a young girl who was in high school, and her mother, who was a state trooper. Amazing family. Dad's the judge in our community. It was a really really hard time. And normally we would have to wait until a Sunday to respond to that. However, with the couch being on Wednesday, we actually did a couch that was solely based on grief and loss because we felt that that was a felt need in our community. We're just going to go ahead and address it right now. And what we found was we had double the shares for that video after the fact. I had people who were emailing me or messaging me or finding a way to contact me weeks later saying, hey, my son was really struggling. He just finally wanted to talk about it. And we watched your vid- the, the couch on grief and it was super helpful. So it also allows people to have that conversation and you can still comment on that. So if you comment on that video, it, it lets us know, it alerts me, hey, there's a comment on the video. Um, so I'll go back and say, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Um, if there's any prayers, prayer concerns we, we can answer for you or you know pray for you with, and we can still have that connection as well. So it, it's really important. Now you've not fully cleared the Board of Ordain Ministry yet, so be careful with your answer here. <laughs> 
to the next question because I'm I'm gonna get into sacraments here. Yeah. But um, um, if you wanted to, you, oh I, I, we've talked before, and you said about seventy percent of your people are within a pretty easy drive. But there's some other people that out there that they get connected mm-hmm. and they they begin to 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 be a part of the gang. If you want to baptize them, how do you find them out there? How do you get water? I have with our group that the first person who wants to get baptized from Homestead Online, I'm going to fly there. I want to do it, right? So I'm hoping it's Hawaii so I get an extra trip out of it. But right. that's why we have the connection of the United Methodist Church, right? If, if the connection can do anything, it should be able to do this. Where I can call Paul and say, Paul, you know, I have someone um, out in California who's, who can, who's a member of our church. They've been, they've been living out their life faithfully to follow Jesus, and they want to become baptized into our church. Would you be willing— for them to come to your church and do that baptism. And you can even do it in your community. Just acknowledge that they're part of our online community so that we can celebrate with them. You know, that that's that's our hope. Now, with the turmoil that's happening, that could or could not be the case. But my expectation is, is that, you know, for us as, as clergy, for us who are the church, we're the church big C. You know, we're, we're, we're the global church, right? And if that's one of the things that we're supposed to do as part of the global church, I think that's not too hard of an ask. So that's kind of our answer for baptism. Now, I will tell you, I just recently got called for my first wedding for our Mumsy Online group. So I am, you know, driving down to to Florida um, to, to marry an awesome young couple that want to be married. And they're part of our online ministry. So some things you have to travel for, um, but I'm hoping that that the connection is strong enough. And also, and I've been to the church that you attend, they're, they feel they're so loved. And they're like, this, you know, Mumsy Online was awesome. But I think this is a community that I can actually be with together in person. And it's never our intention to stop people from going to church in person. That's never at all what we want. So if they get connected, we would celebrate that too. That's the idea is to get people connected to the, the larger church. Yeah, I heard of a, um, some folks in Ireland that somehow found a United Methodist Church in a small town in the United States, and they sort of were coming alive spiritually and it became their church. But then they realized that it'd be a good idea to go back to Mass once a month <laughs> and and to be able to yeah. share in Holy Sacrament, you know, right here in Ireland. But, but they began to do—so they were really parts of two communities at that point, you know, in, in different ways. Yeah. Well, if we think about it, so was Paul, right? Paul was a part of so many different communities. And I think that sometimes we get so battered down in our, you know, these are our people, but really they're all God's people. So that concept of of, of that, hey, anybody can be a part of this. Anybody can grow together. Discipleship should not just be localized based right. upon who's giving or who's in my demographic area. You know, we have people in our online ministry who are pastors of other churches, and they feel that this is the place where they get fed. Um, because oftentimes pastors don't have that outlet. So <laughs> we have some great theological conversations with that group of pastors, but it's it just, it's open for everyone. You know, during the last couple of years, many of us have gotten better at producing content to put online, whether it's streaming in a way that there's enough mm. good sound that people can feel like they're a part of it, or whether you're producing a separate a separate product. The content, we're getting pretty good at it, and we can get better, but it's turning the the worshipers or the viewers, in some cases, into community. That seems to be a puzzle that 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 a lot of folks haven't figured out. What are you learning about how to do that? Yeah, I think the big difference between that separates content from community is a person being known, and you can be fully known online as a person who's there. So you know. We've had this struggle as well in our own online ministry. 
I could put out a video a day. I mean, that's that would be really hard. We have the setup. We have the technology, right? And the, I, I love to talk. So there's plenty of opportunity there for me to do that. But that wouldn't really be helpful if, if people aren't engaging in that. It's all about connecting with context and allowing people to be connected together and showing that they're known. So one of the things we do in Mumpsy Online is something called Questions Answered. It's this really novel idea of people have questions and we answer them. So they'll ask a question. So one of our, our most popular ones was, what does the Bible say about divorce? We, we tackled that and we talked about the United Methodist discipline um, and our social concepts, right? That our social discipline that we have as well and, and what that looks like to love and to be a part of what Christ is doing and, and when he talks about the, um, divorce and the, the different things in scripture. So we answered a question people have had for most of their entire lives, but there's never been an opportunity to ask a question. Just think about that. When, when do we have an opportunity in the local church, in the inherited church, to ask a question that's not in a board meeting? You know, that's not in a, oh, I have a question about this building project or this, but just to ask a question about their faith. So that that content takes context. Hey, Paul, I see you asked this question. I'm going to answer it the best of my ability. I'm not saying I have the right answer, but this is my attempt. And I want to make sure that you feel like your question is important enough for me to answer it. And then we have a dialogue in the chat afterwards or in the live stream. So that's that's a difference. Contextualization of content to make it actually something people need, not just something that we want to produce, and then make sure that they feel known during that content. Do you do any kind of small group gathering other than the worship gatherings online? Yes. So we have a couple different small group models. So we, we picture this as a bell graph, okay? So you kind of have your, your, mm-hmm. your sections if you think about a bell graph. One section over here, you have the people who are just in the group. They're in the group, and that's as far as they're going to go. They've already they added themselves to the group, and they muted it instantly. You know, we know they're there, but that's what they did. They're kind of balcony people. We're, we're just trying yeah. to get them to okay. like or comment. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they're the people who always come in late and leave early. They don't really want to be involved in anything. They just want to be there for that. So we have these these level ones that are they're in the group. They haven't muted. They're there. They might like. They might view something, but they really don't want to to be overly engaged. And a lot, sometimes it's because they're already connected to another church and they feel bad. And they could be amazing people. And there are amazing people. I think they are. But they, that's where they want to go. And kind of our focus for them in the discipleship pathway is to get them from that point to commenting and engaging in content. And that's group two. People who comment and engage in content usually it's through prayer concerns. You know, um, we have people who join the group just to put in a prayer concern because they know that's a place we're a place of praise. Um, so that's kind of the the level two for for us for them. We want to get them involved into some type of discipleship thing. We have our large group, our big part of the bell graph, the threes that are people who are, who are willing to do a one off thing. So that can be a staff, or sorry, that can be a a class. Um, with one of our pastors or, or one of our leaders, you know, that could be a, a one-off prayer gathering. Um, it could be a one-off fun event. So uh, this past um, Advent season, we did a Christmas tree um, judging competition that went over phenomenally. People loved it. A one-off thing that you can be a part of that's kind of low-level entry. Then we have our fours who are very much so um, people who are willing to do like a four to six week study, um, kind of the traditional church model, right? Of, you know, well, come in, we'll do a four week study on Adam Hamilton or, or Andy Stanley or one of the people who are there. And then that, that'd be what we do. And then we have fives, which are those people who want to go extremely deep in their discipleship, who are willing to enter into covenantal relationship. Um, so they're in a band, they're in that kind of thing. So that's based upon those five, that's how we 
do our events or we do our different discipleship models. So for those people who are the ones and we just want to get to comment, and we have a lot of people who have anxiety in, in our online campus because they don't want to enter into a, an offline ministry where they have to see everybody, we have text-based Linton studies to where you don't have to hop on Zoom because sometimes that's a barrier for people. You don't have to hear your voice and you have time to think about the question for that week's study and answer it on your own time instead of immediately in a group setting. And that both of those have been in, in the in the 40 to 50 range of people who are actually participating in those those text-based studies. Yeah, that's really a nice thing. I mean, you're really accounting for different kinds of personalities, different kinds of brain processing. We're all different, you know, and, and you're giving some space for different kind of... Well, one of the things we noticed is that we have people who are, are willing to be a part of a study, but they want to know more, but they're not sure what that next step is. So we developed a system where we have four core things that we teach um, that... You know, if you want to be a core four member, which is a silly name, but we got to have a name for things, right? We're Methodist. But, you know, it's um, how do you pray? How do you read scripture? How do you serve? And then um, what does it look like to share your faith? Those are our core four. You know, so we have, this is a one-off. Every month, one of the core four classes happen. And if you want to go deeper in that, in that, in that area, we then have a corresponding four to six week that you can be a part of. So, we always give on-ramps to the next level of the discipleship pathway in all the things that we do. Very good. Very good. I love that Core 4 idea. And and this thing is scaling up. You're not doing a ministry with 50 people. I mean, like I, I don't know if our listeners understand. This thing kind of got bigger than we thought it might. How, 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 how many people are involved in Muncie Online right now? Uh, we currently have 642 in our, our closed Facebook group. Um, which we consider our membership. Um, now, membership is different, so we use that word as a member of the group, but membership of the church, we're still trying to figure that part out, um, like what it means to be in actual membership roles in the church. But yeah, so we have about about 640 people. And how many weekly engagements do you get on, you know, with views and interactions with groups and so forth? I mean, Yeah, so between our, our three online live stream services we average between 200 and 250 people um viewers in, in between those three services with about a hundred of those being the couch and that's kind of the average with on-demand viewers is, is about a hundred and that fluctuates you know so um when we have a special topic that we're having um, people love it when i bring someone else onto the couch they love the dialogue that happens so that kind of engages higher and then for our groups it can it can differ right so it's all about seasons too. Like summer, we have not had a super big group during the entire summer. We had some book clubs and the average is about seven. So we're still doing some small scale ministry, but then we can do a large scale thing where we have 30 people show up. So it's kind of a both and situation. Has anyone ever asked you when you're going to lead a real church? <laughs> which would show they misunderstand what you're doing entirely because you've been telling us that you're taking them on a discipleship journey. Yeah. But um, what, what's your answer to that misunderstanding when, with pe- when people say something like that? Yeah, I have been asked that question. Um, and thank you for bringing it up. And really, it's not, it's not a bad thing on behalf of the people who are asking it because for them, they've been in an inherited church for a long time. For them, w- without being in the building, it's just not real. And that's the, the group of people who really, really wanted to get back into the building. You know, and that's that's kind of the a sad aspect of the church 
currently in a situation it's in, is that we think that how we've always done church has to be the way a church is done. You know, we confuse the wand with the wineskins, right? And that that's kind of an aspect that happens. But to your point, I think the the larger issue is that if a if a pastor or a church is not fitting into the cookie cutter, we have to figure out what we can cut off. So for me, it's well, we really need you in the in the in the real church. You know, there there are churches that need good pastors that are big and they have you know big budgets and big buildings, but really, I don't think that's a sustainable model. Or maybe it it maybe it is, but I think it's quickly losing its stability in the way we think about it, right? So my answer for those kind of questions is thank you so much for, for thinking about me. I'm so, so honored that you feel that I'm someone who can live, lead that church. And I'm, I, may, I may do that at some point, right? Um, however, currently, I am serving with unchurched people, and that's where God has called me to be right now. So when God calls me away from that, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what it will be, but right now I get the, the pleasure to serve in, in a ministry with actual people who have questions, and I'm, I'm riding that ride as long as I so can. So if we want to check out what you're doing, learn a little bit more about Mumsy Online, where do we go? Yeah, so first I would say join Mumsy Online. We have a lot of pastors there. I mean, there are a lot of cradle Methodists in Mumsy Online who are just kind of watching. So I, I have a pastor friend. I posted a, a question uh, yesterday um, that was just, what is your passion? What are you passionate about? Post it in the chat. And she literally said, I'm passionate about this, this, and this. Also, I'm going to steal this from my online campus. And she did. She immediately posted it in her online campus. And the crazy part is, there are 2 billion, 2 billion people on Facebook. That's okay. We don't have to be concerned about the idea of losing people or, oh, they're, they're on my turf. That can't happen. It, it's, it's more of an aspect of, this is what we have going on. Justin, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, I get a sense you're discovering some things that are a glimpse into a part of the future of church. I mean, we're going to still gather in the ways we've gathered um, and in other ways in physical places, but this is a big deal. And I did not see it coming like this. I want to, and I, I consider myself a little bit of a futurist, and I, I did not see it coming. And <laughs> I'm going to guess, you tell me, that Monticello United Methodist Church is ministering to more people these days than it was before COVID. Is that fair? That's that's a fair statement. Yes. Yeah, and and I think it's a a cool aspect of that, Paul, is that our church is totally bought into what we're doing online. So. We have people who are like, Justin, I will never be on Mumsy Online. My smart TV isn't smart enough because it doesn't know how to do this for me, and I can't do it myself. I'm not going to hop on YouTube. It's never going to happen. Um, the other day I talked about the metaverse and VR. Lost people crazy. But they trust that we are seeking to be Jesus to people who don't know Jesus, and that we are trying to answer questions to bring people into Christian community and they have bought in so well. And I, I can tell you, Paul, some of my biggest prayer warriors are people who are not on our online campus, but who are praying that this will be the way that their adult children who have stepped away from the church might come back, or the way that their grandchildren who live in different states and different countries might come back to church because they can say, hey, check this out. This is really cool. You can do it, you know, do your Facebooky thing that you do, and you can still be part of church. And we have so much buy-in. And that's one thing. I couldn't imagine a church just hopping into this without actual church buy-in um, because it's there, there's 
there's some aspects that push you, you know, and there's some aspects that make you think, okay, what are we going to do? If we have to change our, our service, our actual physical service in the building, are we okay to make that change? And our church has been so gracious in, in that, and, and because they know it's the mission, they know what we're doing. I'm talking today with Justin Kaysen from the Indiana Conference. He's one of the pastors at Muncie United Methodist Church, and he has planted an online campus of that church, Muncie Online, with more than 600 people involved. You're a church planter. I don't even know if you were setting out to do that when you when you started out, but here you are. They uh, they had asked me originally, and I said no, Paul. That they asked me to plant a church, and I said no, I'm not going to do that. And then COVID and happened, did. and I planted an and online church. So that's how God works, right? That's what happens. <laughs> that's how God works. And my prayer is is that your story will inspire some others to realize that God could be working that way in their communities as well. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. Thank you. This is Church is Changing, a podcast ministry of the United Methodist Church. Church is Changing podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.